Blog Talk Radio. <coughs> Excuse me. Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. And joining me is Mary Delfat, the mother of Christopher Delfat, who went missing. Um, he's from the small town of Vinton, Virginia, but he was in Roanoke when he disappeared. Um, October 25th, 2013. Can you take me back to that day? Yes. Um, he was 24 years old when he went missing on October the 25th, 2013. Uh, I took him to work that morning because at the time he did have a driver's license but no vehicle. And he was staying with me at the time until he could get, you know, enough money saved to be able to purchase him another um, vehicle and get him a place to live. Uh, That morning on the way dropping him off to work, we were talking and laughing and singing different types of songs on the way. And when I dropped him off, he gave me a hug and I gave him a hug. And we both told each other that we loved each other very, very much. And he said, I'll see you later on this evening or tonight. And I said, okay, and have a great day. And that was the last time that I ever, you know, saw him again. Um, okay. He went to work. He was at work until about one thirty. He was a roofer. And right. then a workmate took him to it wasn't food line, Kroger, to cash his check. But in some accounts yes, it says they still have a check waiting for him. So I wasn't sure what that was about. Yes, he did. He got off from work that day. That was their payday. And one of his workers that he worked with at Vinton Roof and had taken him had taken him up to Kroger's to get his uh, check cashed. And the video footage, you know, within the store and everything had shown, you know, that he was in there and had cashed his check. And he had they had left, and he had went. To, they said he had dropped him off there at Chaps Tavern in Southeast. That was across from where the N&W Norfolk and Southern Railroad used to be. Uh, my understanding is at the time that when Benton Police, you know, had taken the uh, missing file report on him, that they had, you know, went there and had talked to some of the people that was owners at the time and had shown them, you know, a flyer of Christopher. And some of them said, you know, they had remembered that he had been in there, but he was sitting by himself. He wasn't talking to anyone. And when he left, he went out, you know, I guess it was the front door on on feet, but they, you know, did not know, you know, which way he was headed. And then yeah. from there, he walked on foot, 
and went over to the food line store there in southeast at Bennington because he had a friend that was going to come and pick him up. And they was going to come down to the house and stuff later that evening because they had planned to give him a ride home. And they had made a phone call to let, you know, Christopher know that they would approximately be there within a 10 to 15, no later than 20-minute range to pick him up. And he said that would be fine because he would be outside a food line there waiting on them. And he had said he didn't give no name or anything, said someone had pulled in in a truck that he knew that he hadn't seen in a long time, and he would just stay, you know, there and talk to them till they got there. So when they arrived, he wasn't nowhere to be seen on the outside of the food line parking lot. And they went inside food line looking around to see, well, maybe, you know, he decided to go in there for a few minutes, but he was nowhere to be seen. And at the time, I think there was like a Dollar General and a movie store next to those food line stores that's no longer there. And they went around in there, and he wasn't. So they sat there about 15 or 20 minutes waiting to see, you know, if he was around there anyway. And they said after 15 or 20 minutes, he was still no-show. And when they tried to call his phone... It went straight to voicemail, but his voicemail was not set up, so they couldn't leave a message or anything. Oh, Oh, I thought he was texting with the person. Well, I think after he did maybe text, text beforehand, but my understanding was that his phone, the last, call that he made was approximately around, I think it was like 5 o'clock that afternoon, and then the last call going into his phone was between 5.15 and 5.30, and then after that, his phone was off. Till nine o'clock that night, they said, and then it came back on maybe to around, I think they said around 11 o'clock p.m. that night, and after that, you know, nothing. Well, it was going to die eventually. Did he have a smartphone? No, it was just at the time he just had like what you, one of those little regular flip-up phones. Yeah, that's what my father preferred. <laughs> um, yeah, not everybody had smartphones back then. Um, now, he had a lot going on in his life. 
First of all, yeah. he, he, he was getting ready to testify in the second trial, well, the trial against the second man who apparently broke into his house and assaulted him. What was the motive for that attack? Um, I'm not sure. All I know was that that night that it happened, I think the I think they were the S'mores brothers, and I think they had went over there with one of their friends that knew Christopher to visit, and when they left, I don't know if they got upset about something, but then they came back later that night and broke in, you know, to the trailer. And that Monday, after he disappeared on the 25th of October, that Monday was the day that they were supposed to go to court about that. And, of course, you know, he had went missing and stuff. But he did, he had a lot, Christopher had a lot of issues, as we all do at points in our lives. But he was getting on the straight path, and he was going to try his best to make something of himself. And a lot of people... Yeah, no, I'm just wondering if these people were looking for drugs. I don't think so. I really don't. I'm not making making any judgment. I'm just wondering if that was... I know, I know. It's a lot of suspicion and things that just don't add up. Because a lot of people knew him in our community in Franklin County, Virginia, as a mechanic and a carport seller. And he had worked at several, you know, garages in the area, and he had also done, you know, the roofing work. And nobody that I could think of would have wanted to hurt him in any, you know, way or shape or form. Yeah. And I know. People were absolutely shocked to hear he had disappeared, and friends and acquaintances all, you know, could never think of anyone who had wanted, you know, to harm him. And, of course, I know you have probably heard he had been in a relationship off and on with a girl named Shana Seabeck, who was originally from New Jersey. And this girl, Shana Seabeck, and him, they had a very rocky past. They had such a rocky past that, in fact, Shane and Christopher had went to the sheriff's department to have restraining orders put on each other at one point. And, of course, Christopher yes, he was going had... to court to fight that. Um, yeah. Right after... And he also was going to court to try to get custody of the, the kids. Right. Because Christopher had two children with this girl uh, named Shana Seabeck. He had twins, a little girl named Deanna, whom has now, you know, been adopted and in a great loving and foster family, and a boy named after my husband, David, who had died from a heart attack too early. And like you said, a few days after Christopher went missing, he was due to show up for that trial about the S'mores brothers breaking in and he was going to, you know, set up a custody hearing for his little, you know, girl, Deanna. I no, know I didn't know she mother. was in foster care. Why is she not with her mother? Well, she lost custody 
Yeah, she lost custody of her. And of her other child? Yeah, as far as I know, the little boy, I'm not sure if he went back to New Jersey, you know, with his dad. But I do know, you know, that she did lose custody and she was adopted. You weren't able to take her? I couldn't at the time because, and it wasn't because that I don't love Deanna. I truly do because, you know, that's my son's daughter and everything. But with working and, you know, trying to get answers and find closure on him, I don't think at the time, it's not that I couldn't have gave her a loving home and stuff, but I just don't think, you know, being all upset like I am over not having closure on him and everything, I just don't think, you know, that I could have personally taken care of her the way, you know, that I would have wanted to. I do have to ask. I heard that the missing persons report wasn't filed until November 9th. Yeah, and the reason... Whose wires got crossed? (laughs) Well, the reason being that it wasn't filed until the 9th of November. At Christopher being 24 at the time Mm -hmm. and things, sometimes, you know, he had other friends and stuff that he would go and maybe stay with and help on odd jobs and stuff. And it wasn't anything like characteristics out of the way for him to do stuff like that. And the first time that I did go to file the missing report, I was told, you know, since he was 24 and he was over the age of 18, to just wait a couple days to see maybe, you know, if he didn't call me or come back home and make contact some kind of way because they said, well, maybe with all that he was going through that he just decided to take off somewhere by himself for a couple days and stuff. Ah, yeah, they do that a lot. Yeah. But the girlfriend obviously didn't miss him too much. She had a new man by November 19th. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And see, a few days after Christopher went missing, you know, we had talked about, you know, the court and the custody and stuff. But I've told him, and personally, I believe that this girl, Shana Seabach, knows more than she's putting on, and I hope that she comes forward. If she knows something, and if someone knows something, they come forward, because I just need closure. I need to know what's happened, you know, and where, when I can bring my son home. And I've always felt like somebody out here knows something. And I really don't see, as a human being, 
how can you live with your conscience knowing that you know something but you won't come forward? Because I'll tell anybody, until you have walked in our shoes and go through the heartache and go through the suffering and go through the pain that we go through, you have no idea what it's like, you know, for us. Because each day... And every night is very hard, but it's especially extra hard during the holidays and when, you know, their birthdays come around. You're you're strong and you try to go forward and never give up hope, you know. And that's one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give up hope. But it's absolutely hard on people, you know. Yeah. Um. I know that they looked at surveillance at Kroger. Did they look at surveillance at Food Lion to see if they, they could see them on surveillance in the parking lot? Well, when they went to Food Lion, you know, to talk to the people and stuff to see, you know, about the tapes and everything. They said the tapes was not working. Ugh. Yeah, because that was my thought exactly, because, I mean, I've never heard of a place where your tapes are not working, you know? And this may not one that big. Not, I mean, that's a big change. I know. They, wasn't, they said they wasn't working that day because, like, I always felt, you know, if they could um, have those tapes and not only, you know, every place you go now that has these tapes and stuff, not only on the inside but on the outside of the parking lot and stuff, you know, it can show different things. And I said if they'd have been working, you know, that day, whoever that was that pulled up, you know, in that truck that was talking to him, they could have probably mm-hmm. got the license plates number, you know, and found yeah. them and talked to them. Yeah, exactly. I want to give out phone numbers. There are two um, phone numbers for the Virginia State Police. One is a tip line. That is 540 540- Three seven five nine five eight nine, and right. The other number is you need to ask for Detective Douglas Hubert. It's one eight hundred five four two five nine five nine. Right. Now he would be thirty this year, correct? Right. He would have been. He he would have been thirty the eighteenth of January. And I cope with Christopher missing by mostly spending time with my son Michael, which is his brother, because I'm sure yep. you've seen posts about Michael, and he's my other wonderful son. And Michael's a customer service rep for a Chinese company, and he's a caretaker of Chinese people's children. He's incredibly busy, but... He's kept from going back to China for a while for my sake, you know, because he's everything to me and makes me complete when I can spend time with him. And he's taking care of a little Chinese boy right now as we speak. Oh, 
Oh, and then I can so also cool. go through having the AWARE Foundation that's headed by Kenny Charles. He's got quite yes. a good organization, and he's offered a lot of support to me and other families. And then I also cope by spending time with friends and just trying to keep the hope alive that Christopher will be found. But the thing that helps the most, honestly, is my dear son, Michael, because I need him here since Christopher, you know, has went missing because he misses his brother, you know, extremely too, and it's so hard on him because I know he'll always say, you know, to me, Mom, I wish, you know, we could find out what happened to my brother because I miss him so much. And I said, I know, you know, that's all a family wants is he some older kind or younger? of closure. Is he older or younger? He's 28. He's two years younger than Christopher is. Now, Kenny. See, I need, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and Michael's a big help, and I need him, too, because I just lost my dad the eighth of August, and so right now it's just me and Michael till we can find out, you know, what happened to Christopher, and at one time when Michael started his career and stuff, he worked for Food Line at one time, and he knew the manager that worked at that one over there on Bennington and Southeast where Christopher went missing, and he went over there not too long after all this happened and talked to him, and he told him, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, you know, I wish that we could help you, but that day you know that he went missing and stuff. There wasn't any tape, so. Hmm. It's just bad. Yeah, Now, Kenny Jones, I'm sorry. Now, Kenny Jones came from Help Save the Next Girl. Yeah. They're a good organization, too. Yes. I don't have anything against any kind of organization because I feel like that's what every organization that works for the missing, that's what they're here for, is to help, you know, these families and help them get through difficult times. And I tell you what, I'm glad I found out about these organizations because, you know, when all this first happened, I wasn't really aware, you know, that there was some organizations out here, you know, that could help people that's going through this. And they're all like family to me. I've told them, I said, you know, I said, we've all become friends. We're all going through the same thing. We all love and support each other. And we're there for each other through all of this. And it's great that they've got organizations out there, you know, that can help people. Absolutely. Now, the girlfriend mentioned a lead about a lake. And the police said, the police confirmed that lead. 
Um, that was yeah. an interview that you had me listen to. Did they do anything more than confirm the lead? Did they check the lake? As far as I know, it has not. I know that they're aware, you know, that that had been said. You know that Christopher was thrown into the lake, you know, up there at Philpott, Gam or Lake. But as far as I know, you know, that tip did not pan out. Hmm. I'm wondering, and, and this is strictly... <laughs> because you you described him as a country boy. I'm a country girl. Was he comfortable? I mean, I know he was in Roanoke that day. Was he comfortable in the city? Because I'm not terribly comfortable in the city. So I'm, I'm wondering if that may have played a role in it. I'm not sure. Now, he did, he, I mean, he loved the country because he, you know, was, raised in the country and everything. And, of course, you know, with the roofing company and stuff, I mean, they go out in the country and all around different counties and cities and do, you know, roofing work and stuff. And as far as I, you know, know, he was comfortable, you know, with the city. And it's like I said, you know, it's just been such a, I don't know, up and down and just so mysterious because I know when people go missing, and I know especially when they're over the age of 18, they're going to tell you, well, you know, they're on their own and maybe they just needed a break and maybe they needed to go somewhere, you know, and just get it together and stuff and get some time away. But, like, my point was to them, yes, I know he's 24, but as a mom and the mom instincts and stuff, I said, this just doesn't feel right to me. There's something wrong with this picture because, number one, we had to go to court that Monday, and I was going to go with him. I knew that he would, you know, be there for court, number one. He would not miss court. Number two, like I had told them, there is no way that he would have ever, ever thought about or went off and left his little girl. There's just, you know, no way. But at times, that's, that's all, you know, I would hear, well, Maybe he needed to get away, needed some time to itself. I said, well, here's the thing. Even even if that was possibly, you know, the case, he would have gotten in contact with me some kind of way or the other and have, would have called and said, hey, Mom, I can't tell you where I'm at. But I'm just calling to tell you not to worry, and I love you, and I'm okay. Yeah. I and I said, that's, that's him. I know him, you know, being my son and me, his, you know, his mom and stuff. He would have not just took off, you know, and left or anything. Mm. 
were they worried at all about his state of mind, given that he had just lost his father and just lost his son? Were they worried about his state of mind? He was fine. I mean, it was heartbreaking to him, you know, and we would cry together over the loss of his son, you know, and and talk about it. You know, because I suggested to him, I said, if you feel that it comes a point that you need to go and talk to someone about it, you know, we will do that. And it was, it was very extremely heartbreaking, you know, and hard on him because he loved that little boy, you know, just as much as he did that little girl. But see, the thing was, that's when a lot of their, you know, problems and stuff started, you know, extra too, because he was trying to grieve, but she didn't want to hear it, you know. Mm. And you can't, you you can't do that. You just can't do no. that. And I know Michael said one time, a couple days after that, that he called him one night, you know, and cried to him for about three hours, you know, about his son and stuff. And I know Michael had told him, said, you know, if you need, you know, to go talk to someone like a specialist or anything, you know, we will get that help for you. But, I mean, he was fine in the state of mind with all that. Nothing, you know, like he was going to do anything crazy or show no signs, you know, like of depression or going into depression or anything like that. Yeah. No, I I didn't ask to be disrespectful. I just asked because I actually just lost my father almost two years ago, and I know how difficult that is. And oh, yes. Losing a child it's, on top of it, 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 and, yeah. and it does take its toll on a relationship, absolutely, losing a child. A lot of oh, relationships yeah. don't survive it. Yeah, I um, know. But, but I truly want to thank you for being you. here. Well, thank you. Oh, you're I very welcome. I tell you, I hope one day, not just me, but all the families out here that have missing loved ones, you know that we can get closure and stuff, and that's all we can hope and pray for. And I'm and I'm so sorry for your loss of your dad too. I know oh, thank you. it's very hard. It really is because you know I said time heals, but it's not. Yep like, you know, that they were here or anything. So, again, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for all of your losses that you've had lately. (laughs) I know. It looked like like I lost my husband to a heart attack in 2010 unexpectedly. Then that following September in 2011, I lost my mom to cancer. Then I had my little grandbabies, which was such a surprise and joy. 
And then I lost him at four months. And then three months later, Christopher goes missing. And then I lose my dad. And sometimes I'm like, you know, you just feel like sometimes how much more can you bear? Like, you know, the weight of the world is just on your shoulders. Yeah, it's it's rough. And you would yeah, have to go birthdays come up and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my health well, is not that great either. I'm 66 now. But my knee gives me a fit. And, and I know everything comes with age as you get older. But with him <laughs> missing and stuff, you know, it just feels like your health just deteriorates. Yeah, it makes it worse. Because at times you're just not. You're not yourself, and I know people say, well, you're strong, and I say, well, I am strong, but here's the thing. You don't really know how that person feels on the inside because you're just so brokenhearted and broken on the inside that, you know, it it, it takes a toll on you, and it takes a lot out of you, but... I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on going, so. Absolutely. And I have to tell you something. What you just said actually kind of made me feel good because you said that people say, oh, you're so strong. And and you said something that I've said before because I've had cancer twice. And when I had cancer the first time, everybody kept telling me how strong I was. And I finally said to my mother, don't they see that on the inside I'm sobbing. I'm not strong on the inside. I don't feel it. So for you to say that, it's like somebody else feels what I felt, you know? Oh, yes. And, oh, hon, well, that is wonderful that you are surviving that. That's <laughs> wonderful. It really Thank is. You. I know. That's what I said. People just don't understand because I said, you know, the inside of you, it takes a toll. It really does. <laughs> And, you know, you try to be strong and you try to keep moving. Because, like I said, you know, we're warriors for the missing. We're not going to give up till we get our answers. But people that know anything, they, and like, you know, we've talked before. If you see something or you hear something, Call it in. You can do it anonymously without, you know, giving your name and stuff, but do it. Even if it doesn't pan out, still do it because you don't never know. It might be the nearest nothing that you would think about, and who knows, it might lead to something. And maybe you'll get on Disappeared because this is a great case for Disappeared. Well, thank you. I certainly hope they do that. Well, I hope so, too. And that's what I'm, you know, because like Kenny and them, be aware, like your organization, it's really great because they keep it going. That's something I've always said that's so important. This needs to keep going. If they don't keep it going in the media, and in the paper and stuff, people are not going to remember. And there might be just a little something in that, too, that could trigger. 
you just, you don't never know. We can't give up. I mean, it's just like if somebody gets out here and they get killed by a gunman or something, you want justice for them. Well, that's what the missing want, too. They want justice for their loved ones because I don't care if you're a child. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're an adult, an elderly. Everyone deserves closure and justice. And no one, I mean no one, does not does not deserve to know what has happened, and no one deserves to have any kind of harm done to them. Nope. And you know what? If they're gone, you deserve the right to take them home, bury them, and have a place to go. That's right, because, you know, it's like I said, you grieve, but you can't grieve properly. You know, that's that's the thing. Because you don't know for sure. That's right. And that's what I'm saying. Anybody out here that's got missing, that has never gotten closure or anything and has no idea what, it's not fair to those families. They need to stop and think, what if we was in their shoes? Yeah. Because you can't say never because... I never dreamed in a million years that this would happen to me. So you just never know. Well, I am going to say goodbye. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. And we're several minutes over our time, but that's okay because it will go into the recording. (laughs) Okay. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.